0: So good to see you today. I want to take a minute and I want to welcome everybody who's watching online right now. Online, we love you. We're so glad you're joining with us. Come on, church, can we put our hands together and just welcome everybody who's with us online. And can we just take a minute and give God glory and give a, a great attaboy to everybody who got baptized. Man, 28 baptisms, that's no small thing, church. Come on, somebody. That is no small thing. Man, I just love, love what God is doing in our church. He is on the move. He is touching people's lives and people are taking steps and uh, hearing every testimony last week was just so encouraging. Uh, for those of you who never been to a baptism event, it's, it's really, it's very personal we, it, it, and at the same time very corporate, but everybody writes out their testimony. So as they're getting into the tank, they share their testimony and um, it's read out loud. They write it down and it's, and it's read out loud and it is a, It's so powerful to hear the life change. And that's why we show you the video because we want you, uh, for those of you who aren't able to make it to a baptism event, we want to just share what God's doing. Just a little bit of a snapshot of how uh, God is working and He is touching people's lives. And uh, man, He's just getting started. I really believe this. Uh, God is on the move in a powerful, powerful, powerful way. And He deserves a hand clap of praise. Come on, somebody. Can we just celebrate the Lord today? God, we love you. Thank you so much, Lord. I was just so so thankful as we were watching that video, and um, man, God is so good. Uh, I, I also want to address something that is really important to cover as we get into our content today. It's a little bit of a controversy. A lot of people are talking about it during the week, and uh, they're asking a lot of questions of the church, and 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 they're asking, where did all my legroom go? That's what they're asking. <laughs> it's controversial. How many of you have noticed that your legroom got a little bit smaller, a little bit shorter there? Yeah, and you're a little bitter at me. I know, I feel it. You're, 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 I, feel, I feel the anger. I feel the anger. You're like, we had more room. It's two inches, to be exact, that is gone. Two inches that is gone. And uh, some of you are wondering why. Okay, here's the reason why. Uh, because we're making a little bit more room for those who aren't here yet. Uh, and so we found this out. We found this out if we scooted the chairs forward one foot And we, and uh, total, and then two inches each row, we could get a whole nother row of chairs, really two rows if you add like the emergency seating that we'll do sometimes at the back there. And so that's another hundred chairs that we can fit in here, uh, which is really great, which is cool, um, because we need it. Here's the thing, we need it because... uh, Compared to a year ago, we have 40 to 50% more every week that are coming to some of our church, which is really awesome. <laughs> to God be the glory, right? To God be the glory. And I'd say that it's, we're, not, we're not all about uh, numbers that's not even... We don't even talk about that even as a staff. That's not even something that we we care about. I just take time to share with you that God is on the move. God is on the move, and we are here to reach people who are far from God with the life and love of Jesus Christ and to help more people find and follow Jesus. That's it. That's why we're here. That's why we're doing what we're doing. And I just want to say thank you for being a part of it, and the best is definitely yet to come. And if you believe it, say, I do. I do. Alright, well thank you for, for dealing with a little bit of the uh, legroom minimizing there. So some of you are like, man, I feel like main I was in main cabin extra, now I'm in coach. That's all right. We're still gonna try to give you and everybody else a first class experience. Come on, somebody. How about speaking of first class, how about that worship today? Come on, somebody. That worship was fire. Fire. Man, so good, so good. All right. Well, we are in a week three of our series called Theophany. Uh, well, we're talking about what it means to have God show up in our lives. Throughout the Old Testament, you have these moments where God shows up in power, in undeniable power, and, and he shows up personally. And that's what a theophany is. It's a visible manifestation of God to humankind. And throughout the Old Testament, you have God show up in these very powerful, personal ways. And, and it's, it's amazing because you think about, like, all of the people who could show up in your life. All of the people you would want to show up in your life. All the people that may be so cool if I got a chance to meet this person. It would be so cool if I got a chance to meet that person. But when God himself shows up in your life, like, it's a big deal, right? Like, it's a pretty amazing thing. And you see this in the Old Testament in some very personal ways, and what we learn from it, each li- we learn something different from each little interaction that God has with people. And so we're taking time as we go through the series, and we're looking at these theophanies, we're learning lessons, we're walking away better. And today we're going to be talking about Moses and the burning bush, okay? So when we talk about Moses and the burning bush, maybe you've heard the story, maybe maybe you've read it, but there's some powerful things that we can walk away from. And the title of today's message, if you're taking notes, is this, callings, excuses, promises, and grace. Come on, somebody, it's going to be good. Callings, excuses, promises, and grace. This is something that all of us experience when we meet God, callings. Excuses, promises and grace. We're going to be looking at the, the life of Moses. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be looking at this powerful story uh, of a guy named Moses and how God reaches out to him. And uh, we're going to be looking at a lot of scripture, like a ridiculously large amount of scripture. So I want you to follow along, all right. We're going to be looking at most of chapters 3 and 4 and I don't know any other way. I'm going to try to summarize as much as I can. But honestly, just hearing the word spoken is powerful. Reading it is even more powerful. If you believe it, say, I do. It's something powerful in the word. So I want to look as much uh, at scripture as possible. Let me give you a little bit of backstory on a guy named Moses, okay? Uh, Moses is, uh, is a Hebrew. He's a descendant of Abraham, several generations removed from Abraham. And he's born in Egypt at a time when the Pharaoh was kind of sick of the Jewish people. They had had grown numerous and starting to overtake things and they they felt like, man, we need to to start eliminating some of these people. And so he enacts a plan to kill Jewish boys after they're born. And Moses' mom uh, wants to save her son and so she gets creative. She makes this, this basket out of leaves and she places this newborn baby in this basket in the River Nile and just kind of just hopes that something good will happen. And sure enough, something good does happen. The basket goes down and, and Pharaoh's daughter, the very one who was trying to kill Moses, his daughter finds Moses and pulls him out of the water and, and basically adopts him into her household. And so amazing, right? Amazing! Look what God can do, right? Isn't God good? God can take a bad situation and make a miracle out of it. And that's what he does right from the very beginning in Moses' life. And so Moses is this guy who ends up growing up in royalty in Pharaoh's household. And so the whole time I'm getting ready to preach uh, this week, I'm thinking of a story that this sounds a lot alike uh, this sounds, this sounds uh, very much similar to a kid who's facing difficult situation in his childhood only to be adopted by wealthy parents and grow up with all kinds of opportunity and promise. Anybody know what story I'm talking about? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Are you feeling it? Are you feeling it? I mean, this is amazing. I mean... Moses is the fresh prince of Egypt. Now, this is the story all about how Moses' life got turned, flipped upside down. I'm not going to do that. I'm not I'm not going to do it. I know you want it, but I can't. We've got, I only have 29 minutes. I only have 29 minutes. I'm limited in time. And to be honest with you, I don't know the song. I really don't know the song. So... We're going to have to move on with the rest of the word. But, but Moses and Will Smith have so much in common, except for the whole Oscar slap thing. <laughs> that was cheap. I know that was cheap shot. Actually, actually, they do because Moses ends up killing an Egyptian. He ends up killing an Egyptian. And so he grows up and then he sees an Egyptian who was like beating an Israelite, and he goes and he kills that guy, and and he thinks nobody knows, but but the one guy who was saved ends up telling people, Come on, don't you know? Like some people, you just can't ever do enough for them. You just can't ever do it. They tells everybody, and so and so Pharaoh finds out about it, is not happy, and Moses is like, I gotta get out of here. So he ends up leaving all of the privilege and all of the esteem and all of the calling that actually God had placed on his life and God was doing because God had a plan, but Moses, he jumped the plan. He got ahead of God's plan. And whenever we get ahead of God's plan, we, we lose. Whenever we, we do God's plan in our way, we lose. And, and that's, what, that's what Moses does. And so uh, he ends up having to, to run away, and he ends up in the wilderness. Great picture, right, visual picture. All of this promise, but he, he does his own thing, in his own way, instead of doing... And where does he end up? In a wilderness. Come on, somebody, you ever been there? You did your thing and you found yourself in a bad situation. And, and that's, exactly, that's exactly where Moses finds himself. And so he's there and he meets this guy uh, named Jethro and marries uh, his daughter. and And he starts a life in the wilderness, tending sheep. And so God is using all of this... This, this story, this backstory, to bring him to this moment where God is going to call out to Moses because God has this amazing plan for Moses' life. And not just Moses' life, but the people of Israel in general. And not just them, but you and I today. And so if we, if we look at the scripture, we're going to learn. So we're going to jump in Exodus chapter 3 in the new international version. If you're ready to jump in, say I am. Amen. All right, let's do it. Um, verse 1. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father in law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now, let me just pause because this is very relevant to our series as we're going through theophany. When you have the angel of the Lord show up, that's different than an angel of the Lord. So the angel, the angel of the Lord is different. The, this, is, this, is, this is just different than an angel showing up random. This is, this is God himself. This is the theophany. God is actually showing up. This is God. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So this would happen in that day, like where where, uh, bushes would, like they would just kind of catch on fire. They would just start burning. Sometimes maybe it was a storm or sometimes it was just so hot and dry, they would just start burning. But they would always burn up. Now, this bush is not burning up. So Moses thought, hmm, that's interesting. Don't see that every day. I'll go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn up. Now, this is very important because watch In verse 4, when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. This is so interesting. God does something to get Moses' attention. And because Moses says, you know what, that's pretty interesting. I think I'm going to go check that out. Then God speaks. A lot of times God's going to try to get our attention. And as we start moving towards him, that's when he calls out to us. And we're going to unpack that here in a moment. But I wanted you to see that in the story. All right. He said, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Verse 5, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals, for the place you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And this Moses hit his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of the slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey. How many of you know God always has a good plan for us? I mean, this is is the plan that he had told Abraham. I'm going to be good to you. I'm going to bless you, and you will be a blessing. And, and now it's becoming realized. They've gone through a, a dark time in Egypt, but now God is bringing them up into a bright time. And he's going to use Moses to do it. Let's skip to verse 9. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing him. So now go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And you expect Moses to be like, all right, God, let's go. I can't wait. You're calling me. You're the God of my, my ancestors. You're the one I've heard about. Little, bit, little bits and pieces. I can't wait. You've got a plan for my life. Let's go. Nope. <laughs> he makes excuses. Anybody relate? Anybody ever been there? Watch this. Verse 11. But Moses said to God, mm, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? And bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, Don't worry, I will be with you. And this will be a sign that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this very mountain. And Moses said to God, Great, that sounds awesome then. That answers all of my questions. No, not at all. He says, Suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your father sent me. And they ask me, Well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. Come on, you got to love God. He's a bad mama He just says, I am who I am. Tell him I am has sent me to you. And then he goes on to tell Moses that he's going to bring him to this land, flowing of milk and honey. He's going to work in such a powerful way that the Egyptians are just going to shower all of their gold and clothing and possessions on them. And it's going to be amazing. And now Moses is like, yes, all right, let's go. Nope. More excuses. Exodus chapter 4, verse 1. What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said, to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. Of course, he's a shepherd, right? He's tending sheep. He has a staff in his hand. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. So Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake. Check this out. This is hilarious. And he ran from it. Come on. You got to love the Bible. You got to read the Bible slow. You got to read the Bible slow, right? He's a shepherd. He's got the staff. God's like, throw it down. He's like, do it. And then turns to the snake. He's like, ah! Right in front of God. How embarrassing. How embarrassing. And then the Lord said, reach out. Your hand and take it by the tail. Now I am not uh, a snake charmer, nor the son of a snake charmer, but I know that you don't grab a snake by the tail. It's gonna bite you if you do that. But how many of you know God can take a bad idea and make it a good idea if it's His idea? Come on, somebody. And that's what He does. And and so He does it. And so Moses reached out and took hold of the snake, and it turned back into a staff. This, the Lord said, is how they they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has appeared to you. So God does one more miracle, you read on this story, and then promises another one once he gets to Egypt. And Moses still isn't convinced. Sometimes it takes us a while. Skip down to verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you've spoken to your servant. So I'm slow with speech and tongue. And I don't think this whole thing of talking to Pharaoh, who, by the way, is trying to kill me, is like a really good idea. And the Lord said, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? It is it not I, the Lord? Now go. I will help you speak and I will teach you what to say. But Moses said, eh, pardon your servant, Lord. Have someone else do it. I mean, I just like, it's like the dude does not want to do what God is calling him to do. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses and he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well and he is already on his way to meet you and he will be glad to see you. I think that's really cool how God just says, hey, he's on his way. I know that because I'm God. And like, there he is. He's right there. Wouldn't that be cool if God did that today? <laughs> he's like, hey, by the way, your brother's coming over. No, I mean, it would be awesome. Verse 15, you shall speak to him and put words in his mouth and I will help both of you to speak and will teach you what to do and he will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he... He were your mouth, and as if you were God to him. I love this. It's just so cool. God makes this provision for him, and it speaks to his grace and mercy. And it, from what we understand about the passage, Moses doesn't end up really needing Aaron anyway, but God just gives it as a concession, as a, as a safety guard. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. So God's like, come on, man, just do it. Just go and i will be with you this theophany teaches us so much about god and it's it's really this god god's call on our life god has a call on our life and i want to give you four thoughts today that will help us to understand when god shows up in our life he's going to call us and it's going to look like this number 1 god is calling us to kingdom impact he's calling us to kingdom impact god helps us when we give him excuses of why we can't do what he is calling us to do um, and then God promises to be with us, and he is all that we need. And then God gives grace when we stumble in our calling. How encouraging, right, church? This is a great passage. I want to break this stuff down. We're going to walk away better as we do. But before we do, I want you to find 16 people next to you and say, God has a plan for you. No, seriously, he does. Come on, find 16 people. Just tell them. No, seriously. No, seriously. No, seriously, he does. First thing is this. God is calling us to kingdom impact. I want to personalize this. I want to make it. God is calling you to kingdom impact. God wants to use you to make an impact in his kingdom. This is amazing. I never I never I never grow tired of this idea that that God, the one who spoke the world into existence, the one who sustains everything by his hand, by his very word, he creates, he sustains, he makes things happen, the one who doesn't really need us at all wants to use us and not just for anything but for his great eternal purpose of bringing people home to faith. God wants to use us for eternal kingdom impact. God wants to use you for eternal kingdom impact. Let me just say, like, is there anything more important? If we believe, like, any of this thing called the Bible... If we believe anything that this thing called Christianity, if we believe it at all, there is nothing greater than the idea that the creator of the universe wants to use you and helping more people find and follow Jesus, but he absolutely does. God is calling us to kingdom impact. And you see this with Moses. Think about this Moses becomes one of the most important spiritual figures in all of history. He writes the first five books of the Bible. He leads the, the people of God from bondage to freedom. Uh, he, he, he does amazing, uh, the, all of the plagues. He brings that about. He navigates them through the wilderness. He's an amazing example. But when God shows up to, Ab, uh, to Moses, he's, he's far from that. He's a murderer on the run who tried to jump his calling and take matters into his own hands. And yet God shows up to him. Why? Because God has a plan for all of us. I mean, Moses shows us that God reaches all kinds and he reaches out to all kinds and he wants to use all kinds. And what's so interesting, I think this is so amazing, is that God is going to use Moses to do one of the greatest miracles of all time, right? God does the miracle, but God uses Moses to do it. He's gonna lead the people of Israel through the Red Sea. And you've, you've seen the movies, right? You know, the wall of water on the right and left, right? With, you know, and, and the cartoons have like the whale swimming in there as well. Like, I don't know if that happened, but that would be cool if it did. All right, and so, so you, have, you have Moses, he's leading. And think about this for a moment. Do you know what Moses' name means? Out of water. Because that's what Pharaoh's daughter daughter took him out of the water and said, I will name him Moses because I brought him out of the water. And here is this guy who was named out of the water, who is bringing the nation of Israel through water as they experience deliverance and freedom from bondage. It's so cool because the one who was rescued is now rescuing. How many of you know that's how God works in our life? God gives us a story so that we can use his story, our story, for his story and his glory. Come on, somebody. That's it. God has a calling on our life for kingdom impact. And he wants to use the stuff, the good stuff, the bad stuff, the ugly stuff, the stuff we don't want to talk about, the stuff we're ashamed to share at Life Group. Now I don't want to say that, man, I, I, I could never let you guys know who I really am. God wants to take all of that and he wants to use us for kingdom impact. He has a plan for you. Not just the people up here. Not just the people in the booth. Not just the professional church people. He has a plan for all of us for eternal kingdom impact. And so the question a lot of us ask is, like, well, well, what is it? Won't he tell me? I would love to know. What is it? He reveals himself to Moses in this burning bush, and Moses does something that's very interesting. He looks, and then he leans in. I want want to show this to you. Look at this, verse 3 of chapter three says, so I will go over and see this strange sight. Why does the bush not burn up? Would have been easy for Moses just to keep walking. It would have been easy for Moses to make excuses of why that's happening. Well, surely there's got to be some explanation for that. Like there's some scientific reason why this thing is, it's not really God, so I'm not going to pay attention to it. He says, no, I think I'm going to give this attention. And as he starts moving, look verse 4. When the Lord saw that he had gone over, God called. See, if you want to know what God has for your life, you've got to look And you've got to lean. Everybody say, look and lean. Lean. You've got to look at God and you've got to lean into God. Do you want to know what God has for you? Do you want to know that kingdom purpose, that amazing eternal impact that when our life is over on this planet, we'll be able to say, God, look what I did. I was obedient. And he will say, well done, good and faithful servant. What does God have for you? What kind of impact does he have for you? You look and you lean and you will find You look at him. You get into the word of God. That's why, church, we're going through the Bible in a year. If you haven't been doing that with us, I want to encourage you today, jump in. Get the Bible in your spirit, in your heart, the the word. As you get the word in your heart, God will speak to you. And he will make his calling clear to you. I want to encourage you to come first Wednesday. We got first Wednesday, this Wednesday. Come, spend extra time in the presence of God. Just a little bit extra worship. It's a little bit more of a devotional thought and then a response just to seek God in prayer. God will speak to you. The Bible is clear. When you seek him, you will find him. When you seek him with all of your heart. Do you want to know what this great eternal calling that God has for you, this great impact that God wants to use you in to make a difference in this world? Do you want to know? Look and lean, and God will make it clear to you. And and He is going to, He's going to, and you know the thing that's amazing about God's call as He starts to reveal it to us? Often, it's one page at a time. I don't know about you, but sometimes, like, I want the whole story. Give me, I want the end. I want to know how this is all going to work out. Don't you want to know how it's going to work out? Like, like, I want to know, what am I signing up for here for, God? How bad is this going to be? I want to know. You know what? You don't really want to know. I think God just says to Moses, hey, listen, I want you to go. You're going to talk to Pharaoh. It's going to all work out. He doesn't tell him about the gnats and the flies and all the livestock that are going to die in these 10 plagues. He doesn't tell them about, you know, all of the details. He gives them a glimpse, but he doesn't give them the whole thing. He doesn't tell them like, hey, once you get through the prom, like, or I'm sorry, once you get through the uh, Red Sea and you're in the wilderness, these uh, these Israelite people, all they're going to do is complain. And they're going to whine and they're going to complain. It's going to be horrible and you're going to be upset and you're going to like have this whole moment where you hit a rock and I told you not to but you still do it. And it's going to go bad. He doesn't he doesn't unveil all of it. He does one page at a time and praise God that he does. Praise God that he does for us. You know what? We don't need to know the whole picture. We just need to focus on the next picture. The next page. God, and once you reveal reveal that to me, I'm going to take a step. Maybe it's in generosity. Maybe it's in service. Maybe it's in sharing your faith. God's going to give you an opportunity as you're in the word, as you're seeking him, and he will open up one door and it will be like, will you trust me? Step into that door and then he will open another. Second thing, God helps us when we give him excuses of why we can't do what he is calling us to do. Anybody good at making excuses? Just raise your hand. My hand, both my hands are up on that. I feel like I'm a master excuse maker. I had, I had reasons why I uh, quit things that I started when I was a child. My dad called me out on it. I was like, uh, you know, I, I would get into something and then I'd be like, I don't wanna do that anymore. Uh, and then again, it's something and he'd be like, I don't wanna do that anymore. And then finally, the next thing that, you know, all these things cost money. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. And he's like, hey, um, I'm not gonna do, I'm not gonna pay for that because you're just gonna quit it again. And I was like, whoa, I've got reasons. I'm a good excuse maker. I think I've passed it on to my son, uh, Titus, who is very verbal. Anybody have kids that are very verbal? Extra prayer needed for all of us who have kids that are very verbal. And so sometimes, you know, when Titus was young, you know, and he didn't want to do what we were asking him to do, like his legs would just stop working. Anybody, parents know what I'm talking about? Puddle onto the floor, legs just stop working instantly. It's just, it's amazing scientific phenomenon. How legs, when you, when it's bedtime or when it's, when it's time to clean the room or when it's, when you don't get the toy that you wanted in the store, in the store. And you're like, oh, I cannot believe this. (laughs) But my legs won't work. We're good at making excuses, aren't we? We're really good at making excuses. This is Moses. He says, so now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? You go on to chapter 4, verse 10. Then Moses goes on with his excuses. Pardon your servant. I've never been eloquent. I'm not a good speaker. He'll go on making excuses culminating in verse 13. Moses said, pardon your servant. Please send someone else. He's just got excuses. God wants to use him, but he has excuses. And you know what? I think that we can see where all of these excuses come from and how he begins his little excuse tirade. And that's in three words, who am I? Sounds humble, doesn't it? It, and, And maybe it is. Maybe there's some humility wrapped up in there. But you know what that phrase, you know what that question is focused on? Moses. It's focused on self who am I? I can't, who am I? There's no way. Look at me. I don't have the I don't have the goods, and and I don't know, maybe I don't know if Moses is fishing for a compliment. Have you ever had someone fish for a compliment? Like, I don't know. I mean, this probably isn't. I mean, I don't know. What what do you think? Who am I? And 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 you know what? The whole focus is on self. And you know where Moses has a He has a lack of self-confidence now, but he had an overabundance of self-confidence when he took his matters into his own hands and he killed that Egyptian. And this is the spectrum that the devil loves for us to be on. It's all about me. What do I think? What do I feel? What, What are my thoughts on this? Whenever we focus on ourselves, we will miss out on kingdom promises. Whenever we focus on what we can do, we will miss out on what God can do through us. And, this is, and our world is so happy just to pile this on, isn't it? I have a word for you, church, today. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a hard word, but it's a good word. It is not about you. Come on, tell someone next to you, it's not about you. Come on, just tell someone next to you, it's not about you. Some of you have been waiting all week to say this to that person right there. I know it. I know it. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, but the reality is, it's not. And the world keeps telling us it is. Do you, do you see the, 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 the mindset, the philosophy of the world is all about you, your pleasure, your comfort, your desires, your needs? And you just need to take care of you. And once you take care of you, then it's all going to work out. And you just need to look deep down inside and find your inner truth. So you can be the most authentic expression of your most personal reality. Do you know what you'll find when you look deep down into yourself? Sin. I hate that. I mean, I don't mean that unkindly. I just just mean it truthfully. You know, it's like, like, I'll just try to just look deep down and, and dig deep. And, man, when you do that, you will miss out on kingdom promises. When you focus on yourself, this is what Moses is doing. He has a preoccupation with himself. Sometimes he's overconfident in himself. Sometimes he's underconfident in himself. Either way, he's focused on self. And I love God doesn't even play. God, look at this. This leads me to the third thought. God promises to be with us and he is all that we need. God tells Moses, I will be with you. Moses like, but who am I? I don't know. Are you sure? I couldn't do it. Surely not me. And God's like, I don't get it. I will be with you. You don't need to worry about you. All you need to worry about is him. God, with you. There's nothing more powerful in the world than understanding that the one who spoke the world into existence says, I will be with you. And he's like, well, who are you? And he's like, I am who I am. And that's a pretty, that's a baller move right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, it's kind of like, that's kind of like parents just saying, just do it. Cause I said so, you know, like that's a little bit, but it's even more than that. Because what he's saying is, I am the being one. I am the one who was here at the beginning of this whole thing, and I'm going to be the one who was here at the end of this whole thing. I'm the one who spoke this into existence. I'm the one who's sustaining it. I'm I'm going to be the one who brings it all together. I am the one who was and is and is to come. I'm the one who gave breath in your lungs. I'm the one who gave you a mouth. I'm the one who's helping you, and I will help you. And boy, does God help Moses. He goes on to stand boldly before Pharaoh. He leads the people into, through the wilderness. God shows up. He's a, he's a cloud by day, he's fire by night. He leads them, he goes before them. And how did it all happen? When Moses stopped looking at himself and started looking at God. Do you want to walk in God's calling for your life? Maybe God's calling you to step out. Maybe God's calling you to step out in faith in a powerful way, but you're looking at yourself and you don't see the answer. Well, stop looking at yourself and start looking at God. Stop looking at your inability and start looking at God's power. Stop telling yourself you can't and start telling yourself God will. And And this happens when we know the word of God. When we know God's words about us more than we know our own words about us. 1 Corinthians 1.27 says, But God chooses the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chooses the weak things of the world to shame the strong. You might feel weak. Guess what? You are weak. But God doesn't need your strength because he's got all the strength that you need. He just needs a little bit of faith. And if you'll give him your faith, he will take what you bring to the table and he will do something amazing with it. And you might be afraid and you might be nervous and you might be feel scared. And you might feel like, no, I can't do this. You're right. But God can and God will when you come to him. Stop looking at yourself and look to the Lord. But here's the good news as we wrap up is that as we start moving towards him, we won't do it perfectly. But the good news is that God gives grace when we stumble in our calling, he gives grace when we stumble. I love, I love how real the Bible makes its heroes. I, I think it's one of the ways that we know, like, man, it's this stuff is real. Because if you were trying to make someone a, a hero, and you were trying to like, oh, I, we need to make this person look better than they are. You would, you would diminish their lowlights and accentuate their highlights but the bible is honest and you see moses he doesn't do this thing perfectly he makes excuses tries to get somebody else to do it oh by the way he's a murderer and then even just a few verses later in chapter four you realize that uh He does something else. Even as he's beginning to move forward in his calling, he does something else. We don't know what it is, but he makes God very angry. To the point where God's like, I'm just going to have to kill you. And And God goes to kill Moses. How many know that's a bad day? That's a bad day. But you know what? Through a sacrifice of obedience that his wife makes... Moses' life is spared. And what do we have there? A picture of the gospel. We have a picture of what Jesus will ultimately do, where he will cover sin through an obedient sacrifice of blood, no less, if you read read the story. And because of it, there is grace, even though Moses stumbles in his calling. I want to encourage you today, some of you, Maybe, maybe you're hearing all of this, and even as I'm starting to talk about calling, I, maybe God's starting to speak to you about some stuff that you know you need to do. You need to get involved, get in a group, get on a serve team, start giving, maybe go on an outreach, maybe adopt, adopt or get involved in foster care. What, maybe God is speaking to you about doing something to bring kingdom life. Maybe it's witnessing to your friends at work, or to the people that you work with that are not your friends, either way. God's God's challenging. He's calling you to be a light, to be a light to dark places. And you're feeling inadequate, not only because you don't have the ability, but because you have junk. You've got got stuff. You're like, man, one day, once I get myself all cleaned up and figured out, then I'll let God use me. Doesn't work like that. As you move forward in your calling, God will work in your life. As you step towards Him, as you just continually lean in and you start keep continually look at God and continue to say, God, I want everything that you have for me. I want all that you have for me. And I'm gonna move towards you. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let my own issues keep me from obedient steps of faith. I want to encourage you. You just keep stepping in your calling. You might feel like you don't deserve it. You're right, you don't. But he doesn't treat us as our sins deserve. Psalm 103, verse 10. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. And as far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him for he knows how we are formed he remembers we're dust God knows you struggle God knows you have issues God knows you're not perfect and he loves you in spite of you so you don't have to feel like you have to have all your stuff together to make God like you or to get God to use you he he likes you in spite of you he likes you because of Jesus Jesus is obedient act of sacrifice is all that we need to stand before a holy God, righteous and clean and ready to be used to fulfill our calling for His glory. Come on, somebody. God can do it. And He will. And He will. God wants to use all of us. I believe God has a great plan for our city. I believe God is moving in our city. I believe God wants to use you to bring people to faith in our city. It's gonna take all of us doing our part, being lights, sharing, giving, being a part of what the Lord wants to do. But if we will take an obedient step of faith, man, what God can do with it, amen? I'm gonna ask all of us to stand across this place. I want us to to take a moment. And I just wanna let the Lord, I I wanna let the Lord do something in our hearts today before we walk out of this place. I wanna ask you, what is God calling you to? Maybe some of you are already stepped into your calling and you're using. I just want to say, good job, way to go, thank you, like, well done. I think it's, it's a great reason we have such a, a thriving church. God's moving. is because people are using their gifts to help people find and follow Jesus. What is God calling you to do? Because when God shows up, he's gonna call you. You can't get, you cannot get close to him without him being like, oh, I love you. Great, now go. We've seen it with Abraham, right? I'm gonna bless you and you're gonna be a blessing. This is how this thing works. It's the only way that it works. But as we step into it, we say, Lord, I want you to use use me. I'm open. The answer is yes. The answer is yes, before you get done, asking the question, I'm in. And I'm not gonna give you excuses. I'm not gonna give you a bunch of reasons why I can't do this. I'm saying yes to you. And I can't wait to see what you have for me. Can we take a moment, church, and just say yes to the Lord all across this place. Let's just make a place of prayer. Would you, would you just offer, lift your hands as a, as a sacrifice, as a living sacrifice of obedience. It's a practical way of saying, Lord, I am yours. And God, I say yes to you. Lord, as a church, we say yes to you. We say yes to your call. We say yes to your will. Even before even before you get done asking the question, we say yes. Whatever it is, I'm there. Whatever it takes, I'm in. And God, I commit. I just commit to not making excuses. I commit to not being focused on my ability but on your power and i pray that holy spirit you would just work you would just work in my life work in in our church today call us to kingdom impact Help us to look and lean so that we don't miss out on anything that you would want to do. It's not to justify it or excuse it away, but God, to say yes to you so that we can experience your will for our life. And God, that at the end of our days on this earth, we'll be able to say we ran this race as best we could for your glory. Thank you for that, God. We dedicate our lives and our hearts to you. In Jesus' name. I'm gonna ask our prayer team to come down to the front. And if you need prayer for anything, uh, we wanna invite you to come down and seek the Lord. God wants to move in your life. If you wanna give your life to Christ, we love to pray for you. If you need healing in your marriage, we will like to pray for you. If you need healing in your body, we'd we'll like to pray for you. But for the rest of us, I just want to take a moment, and I want to, I, as we're doing this, as we're responding, let's just, let's, just, let's just focus on the name of the Lord. Let's just focus on the will of God and center our thoughts on Him and say yes to Him. Let's worship